Welcome to the Olive Tree Podcast channel. Whether you're listening from our beloved Durban, South Africa, or from further away, we trust that you would feel welcome and included in what God is doing in our community, and that you feel inspired by today's message. Good morning. Um, It's so wonderful to be with you on this Sunday morning, and I just trust that there are people sitting around with a coffee or a tea, Um, hopefully many of you still in your pajamas and just feeling relaxed as we get to enjoy church in this way that we've been doing for a whole year now. Um, So yeah, I couldn't quite believe it when I realized that yesterday was the one year anniversary of the day where we all went into lockdown. And really where everything just went still and quiet and there was this great big pause. And I remember in the days that followed, in those first kind of three weeks, just thinking, wow, there's something incredibly beautiful about this. It was like the world itself took a great big gasp as everything came to a standstill in most countries. And um, certainly from our house, we would look over the sea, and we actually saw the sky change color. Um, We saw over the days, it's like as the, the less pollution kind of became a reality, the sky changed color. And, you know, we heard stories of amazing little outbursts of wild things happening around the world in nature as the world just took a great big pause. Um, and so there was that beautiful side of it, but there was also the difficulty and this, the fear and the death and the sickness and the loss and the trauma and everything that came with lockdown and, and everything that has unfolded in the years since. And I, I think it's just, yeah, it's quite staggering to go, here we are a year later, and I think there isn't one of us who isn't kind of deep down just going, when on earth will it all end? But anyway, here we are, and we're running up towards this Easter week, and today is uh, the first week of a new series um, for Easter, and the creatives got together, and they came up with a word which to me really just speaks of actually just going stop and pause and look. And the word they came up with was behold. And, you know, behold is, is a word that causes you to just stop. It's not like look. Look is just like have a look. Behold is like it's bold. And it says stop what you're doing. And so sadly, yesterday, I was forced to stop what I was doing as I settled down to um, really get into this message off the back of a week with workshops and meetings and, and a lot on the go. And I sat down really to do my work and my computer stopped. I was forced to stop, (laughs) and pandemonium broke out, could not open any documents, and didn't know what on earth to do. Um, Fortunately, my um, genius husband found a way to somehow get it without even opening it from my computer onto his, and so behold, we do have a message today. Um, But yeah, what what happened um, as the creative team discussed behold is that they came across this verse from Isaiah, which they really felt was going to act like or serve us as a plumb line in this series as we take a look today and next week at Easter. And so I'm going to read to you from Isaiah 42, but in line with the spirit of today's message, I'd like to invite each of you to actually just take a deep breath, to just take a deep breath in and let it out and just still yourself. If it helps you to close your eyes while I read this verse, won't you do that? But I'm really inviting you to just really take a pause in this moment as we dive into this message today. So this verse from our, these verses from Isaiah are God 
um, speaking ahead of time because he's outside of time, and he's talking about his son, and he's saying, behold, look at my son. Look at what he's going to do. And so let's all have a listen to this. Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison of those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things are now declare, for they spring forth. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. I want to read the, the first and the last of those two verses again, because those are two behold verses. And, um, and sandwiched in between these behold verses, we just hear of this one, this servant who's going to come and be with us and who's not going to be harsh. He's going to be gentle, and yet he's going to do something absolutely phenomenal and bring in something that is completely new. So the first behold, to me, speaks of this son who's going to bring forth justice to the nations. And the second behold is this behold, I am doing something new. Before you can even imagine what it is, I'm telling you there's going to be something so new. So listen to these again. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. And then behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things are now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So when I look at these two beholds, I feel that they work so well for today and for next Sunday. This first behold is like, look at my son. He's the one. Look at him. He's amazing. He's going to bring justice to the nations. And for those who don't know, today is actually Palm Sunday. It's this day where we remember that Jesus walked into Jerusalem, and they call it the triumphal entry. And the crowds, the people just gathered, and they had a moment of going, behold, this is him. This is the son. And they were picking up clues that we'll get to in a moment that help us to understand why they were declaring that he is the one. Um, and so that's the first behold today that we look at. Him walking into Jerusalem, they recognize him as the one that will bring peace, that will end war, that will bring about justice. And then next week is the week where we get to look at the death and resurrection. And we get to look at the second behold, the one that says, I'm doing something new. So, Palm Sunday... Um, Palm Sunday 
for us today, we won't fully recognize what it actually meant to the people of that day. You know, um, when you separate us from our brothers and sisters 2,000 odd years ago, there are signs and symbols and, and things going on around them that make this passage that we're looking at or this scene that we're looking at today so um, richer and there was so much more meaning and so much more deliberation in what they were doing than, we were gonna, than what we can currently understand. You know, if we were to transport those people to today um, and they were to move and walk around in our world, they wouldn't understand that when they see a great big M, we know that to mean McDonald's, or a black W in a block to mean Woolworths, or that in public transport there are certain hand signals that just mean certain things that the people understand, or that there are signs and symbols for our favorite teams, for the Springboks and the Pafano Pafano. There are just signs and symbols and goings on around us that 2,000 years later we understand. And if we went back to that day 2,000 years ago, we, we just need to dive in a little bit deeper to understand what exactly was going on with these people. So, in a sense, we're doing a bit of a crowd swap. We're going to dive in there and understand what that crowd was understanding that was going on in that moment. And it really and truly was a behold moment, as we'll see today. So I'm going to read to you now from Luke 19, and this is, um, yeah, this is the telling of the story. Um, of this actual triumphal entry into Jerusalem. After telling the story, Jesus went on to Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring a chair. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found a colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. And so they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him, and when he reached the place in the road, um, start, sorry, and when he reached the place where the road started down um, the Mount of Olives, all the followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God all the way for the wonderful miracles that they had seen. Now, we don't have the scripture, but in John 12, 13, it adds this. It says that they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. Now, here's one of these signs that we need to understand more fully. You know, they, these people were living under the Roman Empire. And um, the palm tree was something that the Roman Empire used to, to signify that they'd had a victory in war, that they were triumphant in something, and... It was a sign of victory. And so it, it indicated that they were the most powerful, that they had won. And so by these people waving the palm front in front of Jesus, they were saying something incredibly powerful. They were saying that Caesar is not Lord, but that Jesus is. And you know, I know that there's many families watching today and I think it would be such an incredible thing if you could to um, have a moment today. Take a moment. Go and find some palm trees, if you would, or any trees that you can find around you, or branch. Maybe not a tree. That could be dangerous. But a branch or a, a leaf of sorts. And 
you could play out the triumphal entry, maybe dad or mom could be the donkey even, but take a moment with your families to actually speak about this, to say that these people were saying something very powerful. They were saying, Caesar is not our Lord. Today we get to say, there is no leader who is our hope more than Jesus is our hope. Jesus is Lord, and we wave these palm fronts today to remind ourselves that there is no hope that we have greater than the hope we have in Jesus. Continuing in Luke, it says, Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees along the road said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Um, it's just such an incredible thing. There's just no denying this moment. And that's because these people had the stories, had heard the prophets previously. They knew. They knew what this moment meant. And had they not just shouted out from the truth that was in their heart with what they were seeing, the rocks, the plants, the trees, everything created since the foundations of the world that knew the story would have declared it. So Jesus enters Jerusalem at the time of Passover. And what Passover is, is a time when hundreds and thousands of Jewish people would come to, pass, to Jerusalem to remember and celebrate this festival where, Jesus, where God had released them out of slavery. They had been under the Egyptian empire and they had been released. And now they're under this crushing Roman empire. And so actually the Passover festival was the one that the Roman authorities were most concerned about there being some kind of uprising. And so what many of us don't realize is that while Jesus was coming in on the one side of Jerusalem, there was a huge Roman procession coming in on the other side. And in came these rulers and leaders, and they were on war horses, and their primary function to come in at this time of Passover where there was this swelling and, and growing of anticipation inside the Jewish people's heart for some kind of liberation is that these Romans were coming in and saying, don't even try anything. Don't try anything. We're here. We're powerful. We will crush you. And so on the one hand, we've got this powerful procession coming in. On the other hand, we've got this peaceful, gentle Savior coming in on a donkey. So here we are looking at these two vastly different processions. And these people who would have read the prophets and heard the prophets are seeing this Jesus coming in on a donkey. And it is telling them of this prophecy from the prophet Zechariah. And it says this, Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That king will be the king of peace. He will cut off the chariot of Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. He will bat and the battle bow shall be cut off and he shall command peace to the nations. So there's this prophet who has said, whilst these guys are coming in on their war horses, in will ride the savior on a donkey. They knew what this moment was all about. And that's why they could do this highly political thing of waving the palm fronts, not for the empire of Rome, but for this King Jesus. 
And so we see these two ways, these two kingdoms, two very different processions. And the one was declaring the kingdom of God, and the other was declaring the kingdoms that were uh, ruling over this world with power and might and death and violence. The one spoke of peace and justice, and the other of war and domination. The one spoke of love and gentleness, and the other of exploitation. We have Jesus on the one who would die for peace, and the Romans in the other who would kill to try and establish peace. The contrast here between Jesus and Rome couldn't be more evident. So we've got the one kingdom being brought in on war horses and the other on a donkey. We see that the one comes in with power over, saying, people don't try anything, we'll crush you. And the other coming in on a donkey, Jesus would have been like, I level with the people, saying, I come to be power with you, not power over you. On Friday of this week, we remember that these rulers killed Jesus. And yet on the Sunday, God says, no, this will not be. And so today, we start this week of remembering that there was um, this absolute betrayal and violence and death, but that's not how it ends. And today gives us a picture that we get to choose. We actually get to choose how we will be in the world. Are we going to be as those on the war horses, or are we going to be as those on the donkey? There are two ways to be with your neighbors. There are two ways to be with your coworkers. There are two ways to be with your friends. There are two ways to be with your boss. There are two ways to be in your marriage and two ways to be with your children. There are two ways to be with the strangers in the shops. There are just two ways to be. Today we get to choose a kingdom. We get to choose whether we bring in the thing that is humble and on the donkey, or whether we bring in the thing that is on the war horse. I think that it's an unusual thought to kind of go, we really want to be the donkey in this moment. And, you know, as I thought about this, I realized that for many of us, I think we have moments of bringing in the thing that is on the war horse. There, um, there is this, I suppose all of us would take the natural jump to go that the only reason people would be on the war horse would be because of greed and having a need to control and power and, and all the bad things of the world. But as I really pondered this, I felt God very gently and kindly show me that there are moments in my life where I behave as if I'm on the war horse. And I want to invite all of you to take a moment to explore how this can play out in your life. You see, sometimes I think we have to take a position on a war horse because we could be afraid. Sometimes we will have to get on a war horse because we are carrying a sense of responsibility for something that was never meant to be ours. Sometimes we might have to be on a war horse because of trauma or because of remembering a trauma. But there are these things inside of us that I really deeply believe God understands and yet he wants us to know what they are and to know what causes us to feel like in a moment we have to kind of fight for ourselves and assume a position 
that will make us feel safe, when in reality, he just wants us to step off of the war horse and step into this peace that he invites us into. So I want to share a story of something amazing that happened this week. Um, I've been absolutely blown away and blessed to be invited into this journey for a year with an incredible organization called Partners for Possibilities. And what happens is for one year, I've been partnered with this amazing woman who's becoming such a dear friend of mine. Um, her name is Bonnie. And she is the principal of a very under-resourced school in Kwamashu. And this program operates where there are, for one year, there are eight of us partnerships uh, operating together. So there's eight business partners and eight um, principals. And we just spend a year together learning and growing and really learning from one another. And um, on Thursday and Friday this week, we did this workshop together. And it was called Community. And it really focused on a sense of belonging. And, you know... When I look at this kind of warhorse donkey thing, I saw this play out in front of my eyes because, like I said, we can make the assumption that people on the, on the warhorse, like say people around us in our day-to-day lives, just because of the wrong reasons. But there are really reasons inside of us that are valid. They're because we're afraid or broken or just, like I said, carrying things that we shouldn't carry. And so what I saw happen at this workshop is that we started by outlining all of the problems that we see in schools in South Africa, um, particularly the schools that are under-resourced. And each group working around the room wrote these devastating lists of what we know to be the current reality in most South African schools. And just seeing this was, it absolutely shredded a whole lot of hope that I had. I just, I could not see a way forward with all these principles we're facing. And um, it was very easy to see that these principles were kind of standing as these solitary figures and taking on the responsibility for all of these problems in their schools, like unspeakable problems that we're just crashing to hear about, let alone live in the reality of. And so these principles, being assigned as leaders, would, would feel, I suppose, that the best thing they can do for their people is to go, I'm in charge, I'm in control, and I'm going to do this. And what, what happens is that it starts to form a separation between them and the very people who can work together with solutions. And so inadvertently, I suppose, out of a place of deep responsibility and crushing pressure, these principles had allowed themselves to get onto war horses, to go, I will, I will solve this, I will resolve it, I will control, I will have whatever power I have to make this work. And yet they were just absolutely dying under the crushing responsibility. And as we gathered together over two days and were invited to, to consider together as groups solutions and to look at the gifts in the community and to look at reframing the problems into solutions, what I saw happen before my very eyes was that these principles were able to actually step off of their war horses and get onto the donkey. They were able to move from this place of feeling that they had to have power or control of the situation to going, I'm going to get our level with the people and we're going to find solutions together. We're all going to bring our gifts together to the table and we're going to do something that is new, something that is beautiful and wonderful. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And yet he brings peace in a way that the world has never seen before. 
there are two ways to be. And this week, as I looked at the word behold, I was really struck by the first part of it, which is be. And I know, I know as I chat to people, I know for myself that we struggle to simply be. We're kind of addicted to problem solving and actions and strategies and what are we going to do to fix it. And I think that in our inability to simply be, we miss out on the power of what God wants to do inside of us. And so before we even think about being on a donkey and bringing peace to the world and justice to the nations, I think that my even saying that can cause pain for people as they go, how can I even consider that when I'm so not at peace in myself? When I have these wars in front of me, when I have this sickness and this financial difficulty and these crushing realities around me that I'm facing, how on earth can I bring peace when I barely have peace inside? And so... In line with this first part of the word behold, which we know is going to be a behold, I do something new, let's just look at the be. And in a moment, I'm going to invite you into something that has served me so incredibly, to just be still and to trust in this one who brought about peace and brings about peace in such radically different ways. And I'm going to start by being quite vulnerable and um, sharing with you that in the last couple of weeks, I have faced anxiety like never before. Um, I would say that I'm somebody who knows what it feels like to be anxious. You know, we all, we all know that familiar feeling of something in the belly. But I, I would never say that I've actually suffered with anxiety, where I've felt like anxiety might push back and stop me from doing the next thing that I need to do. And it has been debilitating and hard and horrendous, and I... I'm also grateful because I think that so many times people have come to me and told me about anxiety and I haven't fully grasped or understood it. And I think I do to a greater degree now. But yesterday morning was one particular day where I just woke up and felt this anxiety almost having the power to stop me doing what I needed to do. And um, if I'm honest, all I probably wanted to do was curl into a ball and cry for a few hours and just release that anxiety through bucket loads of tears. Um, but that would have proven to be too much of a luxury yesterday as we had our son's birthday and um, we had 30-odd 40 children arriving on the beach just a few hours later. And so I knew I just had to kind of haul myself up and keep going. And um, I drew on something in that moment, as I have in the weeks gone by, that I was given as a gift maybe 20 years ago. Um, a pastor taught me how to do this meditation, which I'm going to do with you in a moment. And it really, I suppose, over the years that I've used it, it's just helped me in moments of anxiety, in moments of fear and wishing I could remove myself from something like having children and um, going in for procedures. I've used, I've employed this meditation, and it has just helped me to remember who this God is, this one who is bigger than all the battles and all the wars, the one who is victorious, the one who we can wave that palm front for. I've been able to use this meditation. And so yesterday morning, I used these principles and I just reminded myself of who he is. I played out all the worst case scenarios. And even if the worst case scenarios came about, I still knew that he was bigger and that I could not be separated from his love. And that his peace is real and tangible and we can find it when it 
seems completely impossible. And so today, I'm going to ask you to just listen to this beautiful psalm from, it's Psalm 46, verse 8 to 10, um, where we get this little line that we can use, and I would want each and every one of you to consider using it this week as we head up to Easter weekend, where we get to have this behold, I'm doing something new moment. So from Psalm 46, it says, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It is such a behold verse. It says, come and see what I have done. I triumph over it all. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you want to do in the world, I have peace for you that starts here. There are things warring against your soul which make peace impossible. Things going on that make you want to jump on the war horse to feel like you can have control or that you can have power over a situation. But Jesus invites us into something new and he says, come and have power with me. Come down and have eye level power with me. I'm the one who doesn't go in and kill I'm the one who will die for you. And so this is how the meditation goes. And I know that if you could do this even for five minutes every morning this week and just allow God to speak clearly to you about what that thing is, that you could take that thing to the cross on Friday morning as you remember Good Friday, that you could put it into the tomb with Jesus until Sunday and trust Him to do that resurrection magic, that something new can come out on Easter Sunday. And so this is how the meditation goes. If you like, you can close your eyes. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be I'm going to say it again. Just take a deep breath and think of the power of what it is that we get to say here and what we get to trust in. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. That you come into a world that wants to tell us that there is one way to bring peace when we know that you have shown us the best way. That you want to teach us, Holy Spirit, about having power with you and power with one another. And Father, I just lift each and every one of us up to you today. And I say that won't you help us, God, please, to take moments this week to just be, to be still, to allow your Holy Spirit to show us what it is that makes us want to feel like we need to grab hold of power again. What are the things that we're afraid of? What are the traumas that you want to heal? 
What is it that's robbing us of peace that you have the power to heal in our lives, Lord? So Jesus, please would you speak to us this week as we have time to just be, to not find the solutions, to not want to go into action mode, but just to be and to hear your still, quiet voice that is more powerful than anything. And that we could bring it to the cross on Friday and we could trust your resurrection power to work over it next weekend. And that on Sunday, we can celebrate the resurrection of our Savior and trust that we can each behold something new in you. Amen.
Church, our, our Father, in His kindness, has called us into stillness and peace to experience Him and to know Him. And so, Father God, uh, we thank You for moments like this. Jesus, I, I pray that You would teach our hearts how to be still before You. That we would learn how to find peace in the quietness of Your presence. That in that peace, God, we would know who you are. That you would speak to us, God. That we would give over our agendas, God, and, and, and put your agenda first and say, Jesus, whatever you want to do in us, we, we invite you to do. However you want to speak to us, God, whatever you want to deposit into us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Um, won't you join us for our, our midweek gathering on Tuesday as we un unpack this uh, again? But watch us through this week. There's going to be a bunch of different things happening on social media explaining how Easter's going to run uh, once we get an idea of where regulations are going. Um, and so we'll connect during the week. Have a good week, uh, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like to find out more information about Olive Tree Church, please visit our website at otc.org.za or email info at otc.org.za. We hope you have an amazing week.